1: Well, let's look ahead now to City's next game. It's Southampton away on... Um... Oh. <laughs> Take your wifi network
0: Sorry about
2: that. The... <laughs> what the fuck's that
1: done that for? That's all right. She's uh, she's just having a bit of trouble connecting to the internet. I don't know if you yeah, heard. Sounds well, like she's it sounds like it, does yeah. it? Yeah. She's
3: very to the point, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> this is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club and this is your show.
1: So, a win in a tight game over Chelsea and Manchester City's grip on retaining the Premier League title is getting a little stronger. The club is now 11 points clear of Liverpool in second, albeit with the Merseysiders having played one game fewer. But even so, you'll still find very few City fans who are counting their chickens just yet. There's plenty of factors that could still derail the title defence, but it's undeniable that the buffer City have built up at the top of the table is making us all feel a little less tense. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast, where we're going to review the action from last weekend's match and look ahead to the challenges that will be posed by South hampton we'll get insights into how the saints are doing this term and how they're likely to set up too plus we'll also examine a growing narrative from the last few weeks that city have only done so well because they've been largely unaffected by covid and injuries we know it's not true so how has it been able to become such accepted knowledge i'm david mooney and for this week's show i'm joined by city fan liam wright hello and from the times paul hurst hi david so let's crack on with the uh, the picture at the top of the Premier League, Paul. Because I said uh, in, in the intro there that nobody is uh, really counting their chickens, but from outside the club, um, it looks done and dusted, doesn't
3: it? Yeah, I'd say it's ninety nine percent done now, um, and I know that I'll, that clip may come back to haunt me um, in the, in the next few <laughs> months. I wouldn't
1: like. do that to you. Don't worry.
3: That's what they Liverpool fans around. Um, yeah, I'd, I, you know it's it is done, isn't it? If you look at um, look at the table, like you say, it's uh, they're so far ahead now, um, eleven ahead of Liverpool. I know Liverpool got a match in hand, but you know City is still got to play Liverpool at home. Um and if you look at all of City's remaining, uh, you know the difficult fixtures against the other teams in and around the top four, uh, they're all at home, aren't they? Spurs at home, United at home, Liverpool at home as well. And then next up, they got Southampton. Brentford and Norwich so the potential's there for them to go on you know you know 15, 16, 17 matches in a row so and once you do that the the opponents are just so demoralized that it's it is pretty much game over so you know I no doubt Pep won't be saying that to his players obviously he'll be giving them a little dig in the ribs and telling them to to improve even more but I think he knows in his heart of hearts that it's it's almost theirs now.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that I, like in the intro, Liam, I said that nobody's counting chickens. I certainly am not because I'm I, I'm very aware of how it sounds if at this point you go, "Yeah, it's pretty much done," and then you don't win it. Um, are you in the same boat? Are you not counting anything just yet?
2: Yeah, well, I guess there's sort of there's two types of thinking, isn't there? There's like a logical football fan's view, and then a cynical city fan who watched them, you know, growing up in the nineties. <laughs> and uh, I know me and you are both the latter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing is, you know. I guess we've had, we've been very fortunate to see City win the title five times in the last 10 years. And we've had three times where we've sort of, it's come down to the wire and we've won it from impossible positions. And I guess if you're as cynical about things as I am, uh, you, you sort of think, well, our day will come when that happens to us, maybe. Yeah. We've, ne- um, we've never
1: lost it from a, from a, an impossible position yet, have we? As far as I can yeah. think of.
2: And, you know, but then I think from the logical point of view, um, where, you know, at this point, similar to the 100-point season and, and this time last year, where, you know, basically we pissed it. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're sort of in a position now where, you know, you don't want to say it's done, but then when you look at it, and um, we've got 16 games left. Um, if we do as well in our last 16 games that we did in our first 16 games, i.e. win 12, lose 2 and draw 2, that's thirty eight points, which would put us on ninety four points. And currently if Chelsea win every single game they've got between now and the end of the season, they only get eighty nine. And if Liverpool win all their games, they get ninety six. So similar to how we were um when we went up against Liverpool a couple of years ago, if they got if they've got any chance of winning it, they've got to be perfect from now to the end of the season, basically.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean that suddenly makes me feel a lot more confident, Liam. So I, I, don't, yeah. know what, I, don't, I don't know what I don't know. don't what the worries about. I mean, uh, that, and, and,
2: that... <laughs> yeah, John. I was going to say as well. I mean, that's that's the form that we had at the start of the season, where you'd say we weren't quite as good. You know, at the moment, it, it's difficult to see where City lose right at the moment. I know. Um, you know, we've just been talking about who we've got coming up. Um, but you know, even if we win, instead of winning twelve, if we win thirteen out of the sixteen we've got left. Then that puts it even further ahead, and you know ninety six points that would be in that case. And uh, yeah, it's it, you don't want to get too confident because we won the title with um, eight points behind with six games to go against United, and uh, you know that will always be something that will gloat over the uh, you know over them. But you don't want it to happen to you, really, do you?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean the 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 result on Saturday, Paul. Um it it was kind of a case of if Chelsea were going to stay in the race they had to win. They didn't. Um and then they dropped points at Brighton as well. They have they've, they've they've kind of really fallen away from this, haven't they?
3: Yeah, and I was I was surprised how poor they played um on Saturday. I I, I just don't think it was much of a contest really. Um particularly in midfield, you know, Kante and Jorginho, uh, sorry, Kante and Kovacic when I've seen them play um, early in the season, they looked uh, amazing, but you know they, they were just they just couldn't get on the ball on Saturday. I thought Rodri did an excellent job in pushing up even further than usual and and really harassing um, those two two midfielders. Uh, and De Bruyne and Bernardo did the same as well. So they just couldn't get into the game. And then he, I did feel sorry for Lukaku up front. I know he he didn't really he should have shot when he had that chance when he was through, but. He just wasn't really getting the service at all. Uh, Ziech and Pulisic just looked on a completely different wavelength, just didn't seem in sync at all. Um, so once you kind of cut off that, you know, cut off the supply from midfield to attack, it's Chelsea didn't really have anything, did they? And it, they didn't really look threatening at all. So even when, even though they had, Chelsea had a couple of chances, I never really felt that it was in doubt that, that City had won.
1: Yeah, was it? I mean, when you were when you were watching the the, the kind of the, the way that Chelsea were playing, was it simply that that I mean Sterling and Bernardo were doing really well to cut those passes out to 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 the Chelsea midfield to actually get them up the pitch?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was such a massive gap, really between between the defense, really, and the, uh, the defensive midfielders and and Lukaku that um, that sometimes just started chipping balls long, and I thought. Um, Stones in particular had a, a fantastic game um, on Saturday. Even like in the air against Lukaku, he was winning the ball, uh, and it was same with Laporte as well. So it, they couldn't really they couldn't pass through City, and they couldn't beat him um, um, on the counter attack or, or going long either. So they literally had, had no answer to them
1: yeah the irony was Liam that uh, they they got one ball in behind city and Kyle Walker just went now I'll turn the taps on here and just uh, stre- stretch the legs
2: <laughs> yeah i mean it's after the match a lot of conversation about just what a great signing he's been um you know when when he signed for city people were you know a little bit negative towards him spending about that sort of amount of money on a full but I mean, again, that showed how, you know, what an athlete he is and, you know, a great footballer as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, on on the game on Saturday, I thought it was quite similar in a way to how the game went back in uh, September at Stamford Bridge, in that we were on top in the first half without giving their keeper too much to do. Um, And really, we, we got the goal ahead. And at that point, that's when they tried to sort of have a bit of a go at us. But, you know, you wouldn't say it was an easy victory or anything like that but I think we deserved it yeah. and you know when you play in the top teams there's always going to be a case of it being the fine margins and um yeah you know I think we, we deserved the win
1: yeah did you get the impression uh Liam that uh when you watch Kevin De Bruyne play against Chelsea he just he doesn't like Chelsea does he
2: <laughs> well yeah well I think um you know I think when he left Chelsea and all that many years ago it was probably more his and Mourinho's uh, relationship where that was where the the real friction was Um, but I do think against Chelsea he always feels like he wants to step up against them and I think you know that's what makes the best players that you have you know greats of the club really when not just turning in week in week out and playing well but when they really step up against the best teams and I think De Bruyne uh over the years as you know against Chelsea has always stepped up. He's had plenty of great games against United as well. And, you know, when you think about Aguero who had, you know, always scored get at home to Liverpool and players like that. So yeah, I mean he you can tell that it just means a little bit more to him to step up in that particular game.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the goal was great, Paul, but I didn't realise quite how influential De Bruyne had been in that game until I got home and, and kind of watched it back the next day sort of thing. It's, it's everything that City did. De Bruyne was there, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, he was He was the best presser on the pitch on Saturday, I thought, and that, that says a lot given his injury troubles um, this season. I remember that game at Anfield um, early in the season when uh, it was late on and he won a free kick, and he just couldn't get up to his off his feet he was so knackered was that was that the free
1: kick that Kyle Walker took for some reason
3: I can't remember. That might, yeah, that rings a bell, actually. Um, I just said, like,
1: suddenly out of nowhere, I just remembered Carl Walker took a free kick at Anfield. What happened That Were we all in a fever dream? Uh,
3: yes, that must have been, been a, a, a kind of rush of blood to the head, maybe, <laughs> like when he took the goalie clubs in Napolis. Uh, yeah. You
2: wouldn't believe some of the expletives that came out of my mouth when that happened. <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, at that point, I, he just looked so tired and I, I, he, he could barely get himself to his feet. And I just thought, right, this is going to be a struggle. This is obviously like in the in October wasn't it when city played at Anfield. Um I thought he's going to really struggle for the rest of the season but you looked at him on Saturday and he was like a completely different player just you know covering covering every blade of grass and just running around really kind of um snapping at everyone really just getting on Cante and, and you know, dispossessing him and and um just just doing everything that you want in a in a leader on the pitch. Um and you know as you say of you know for the goal I mean we were Sat behind it, weren't we? We were directly in the uh, behind the, the traveller of the, of the ball, and it was just amazing to see it, you know, whip into the corner like that. I just thought he can't score from there, surely, and he, he did. So it was uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, a fantastic finish.
1: Yeah, what I love about that goal, Liam, is there's there, there's a moment, isn't there, in the in the build-up where it's it's obviously going through the Chelsea players' heads. If you can't stop him by fair means, you've got to stop him by foul means, and even that wasn't good enough because they, they, I can't remember who it was, but somebody tried to chop him down.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it was Kante, Actually, he was sort of on the half turn as he as he got away from him. But yeah, I mean, it's just you know, real top goal. Which yeah, he hasn't really been in himself. Most of the season, I don't think, but he's he's definitely getting back
1: to his but, his top form. And I yeah, think, I was, I uh, was going to say this. Do you, do you think he looks over his injury and COVID problems that he had, kind of in the first half of the season? I, I, well, I think this year,
2: most City fans would probably say that you know if you were to pick a player of the season so far, you'd be looking at either Rodri or Bernardo. And I think when you've had two of the midfielders really, really playing at their very, very best all season, then. He maybe isn't shining quite how he is, but I think um, you know he's he's had a lot of the players as well, not just uh, Kevin, but you know you got to remember since the the project restart happened in June uh, of twenty twenty, you know they they didn't really have much of a pre-season, then they had the full last season, then straight to the Euros and straight back here, and you know I, I guess if you've got little niggles, he's not really had time, especially as he gets completely flogged by Belgium as well, doesn't he? So. Yeah. Um, it, I think it has probably taken him a bit of time to get back to where he needs to be, um, because you know I, I think especially in the seventeen eighteen season and the nineteen twenty season, you know he was the best player on the planet. I felt like at times, and he maybe wasn't at that level last year, um, but he's getting back to where he where he should be at the moment. I think he's you know that goal just sort of says it all about how great he can be.
1: Yeah, Paul you you said so, when you said about him about how much he's, he's he's working at the moment for Guardiola's team as well. I think that 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 shows a lot about him as a player because there's that there's that age old adage isn't there where uh, people say um hard work beats talent if talent doesn't work hard. And the one thing that the, that the Bruiner always gives you is hard work, isn't
3: it? Yeah, he's 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 non-stop, isn't he? Um you know, he was I mean he wanted to carry on when he got a you know, whacked in the face in the Champions League final, didn't he? Hit by a, you know, a round to the to the eye, and he wanted to carry on. Then that was his kind of. That's his uh, an insight into his mentality. Um He's, you know, he does give everything for the team, and that's why that's why Pep likes him so much. He, he doesn't just do the fancy stuff. He, you know, he he will trap back. He will, you know, he'll defend corners. He'll, you know, he'll volunteer to, you know, to to kind of mop up all the kind of mess that if if you know if one of the forward players loses it so you know he he's a perfect all-round midfielder for for Guardiola um i just think pep thinks that he still needs a bit more consistency um which is why he gave him a little dig in the ribs didn't he in the press conference after saying you know he's not he's not he can still be better but you know that's the, that's a classic guardiola tactic i think really for for any player who kind of gets praised at, at this time of year, you know, when they've when they're in the home um, straight and they are, he just doesn't want complacency to settle in. Um, you know, secretly, I think Pep will be, you know, pretty happy at how he's playing at the moment. Yeah,
1: um, Liam, I, I wanted to kind of tap into this uh, other thing that that seems to have arisen over the last kind of seven days or so. Um, it, it seems the latest criticism is that uh, people say City are boring. Um, if if that's true, do you care?
2: No, not at all. It's um, I think it's just daft tribalism, isn't it? Really, um, you know, just because Liverpool had a couple of two-all results around Christmas, it doesn't make them the great entertainers all of a sudden. And uh, you know, we had this last year when um, we were getting boring, being levelled at us when United started to fall behind us in the title race. And uh, you know, if. Bruno Fernandes over hitting a ball or Adama Traore running down a blind alley is more exciting than Rodri's last-minute winner at Arsenal or our 6-3 at home game against Leicester. Then I must be watching the wrong sport.
4: <laughs> With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need.
1: Like it's a completely different game on on Saturday if Lukaku scores one of his two chances, and arguably you'd say that a, a striker that costs ninety seven and a half million probably should finish one of those two stri- those two chances. Um, but it gets more interesting if City go one down, doesn't it? Or does or does Chelsea get more defensive and it gets even dull?
3: I think it would have it would have made it more exciting that match. I mean, I'd, when I say exciting, I, I found it a really compelling game on Saturday. I I've, I, I couldn't. You know, I, I just found it really interesting how, how City didn't lose, um, you know, didn't lose focus, even though they were just trying, you know, pass, you know, they couldn't find a way through Chelsea, could they, to start off with. Um, they just kept at it. Um, um, but yeah, when, the fact of the matter is that when, when City go ahead, they they win, don't they? I mean, it's, it's proven fact this season. They've gone, gone ahead 17 times and won all 17 games. So once that happens, it is... It's, it must be pretty demoralising for the for the opposition. And I when I when I got back, I watched the last twenty minutes after De Bruyne has scored, and Chelsea barely touched the ball. I think I think they had three touches in the opposition box, but one of them was a block from Laporte. But otherwise, Chelsea didn't really look threatening. Yeah. So it's that is another kind of um, weapon they've got in their arsenal that if, if they win, they just you know pass it, pass it, keep hold of it, and. And it must be pretty pretty dispiriting for for the opposition to to know that.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm interested though, Paul. Like the the, the idea that that City are have have killed the uh, the entertainment in the Premier League. It's like. How much of that is simply because of social media that everybody feels like they need to have an opinion now? Where in the past people might have said this stuff, but it'd be on football phone ins, and that'd be it, and nobody would realise that that other people were saying <laughs> this. But now, because because we see it all the time on our phones, we're like everybody feels like they need to be involved in this debate. And actually, as we've just as we just talked about here for for nearly twenty minutes, it was an entertaining game on Saturday.
3: It was, yeah, and I think you're right. I think in the age of you know pre Twitter age, we we wouldn't have this be having this debate, would we? Because you know i think people are people don't i don't know generally on on twitter are drawn to extremes aren't they you you find you know very little gray area on twitter it's someone either loves something or hates something you either think so and so is the best thing since sliced bread or or is a terrible you know um so i I mean i just seen some of the tweets about city being boring and i just kind of shake my head really and none of it's from city fans obviously who 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 have the privilege of watching watching the team every week, and you know, I, I, when when Guardiola does leave the Premier League, it'll be a worse league for it. You know, we we will be losing out on you know one of the best coaches of his um, generation. So, and and for him to bring that to to the Premier League for the last uh, last five or six seasons, he's just you know it's something that should be. So should be cherished. It's not like a one horse race every year, is it? You know, it's not like they've won it every year that he's been here. So I think it's, it's him being here has is, is elevated the standard of the Premier League. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't see how anyone can say that watching Man City is boring. Yeah.
1: Liam, I've always said that uh, podcasters as well are a scourge on football. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
2: No. Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything that uh, Paul was saying then. I mean, You know, as you say, Twitter is like a breeding ground for knee-jerk reaction and blind tribalism and stuff that, you know, that is going to get traction. Um, You know, and I guess I'm guilty of all those things on there as well. But... It is—it's uh, nonsense. You know, this is a,
1: this is a safe space for for, hypocr- for hypocrisy, Liam. Don't don't yeah, you worry yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm interested though. Do you think it's about money? Do you think it's effectively about the money that City spent? Because the, the, the argument always goes down the line of City have made it boring. Nobody can compete with their money, and yet nobody ever seems to rate any of City's players as the best in their position. You always talk—you always hear talk about how you know Chelsea have signed this wonderful player or Liverpool have got this great player or you know whoever. And if it is about money, are we seriously saying that a team like Chelsea can't spend like City?
2: I find it really strange that there's so much reluctance for people to actually give Pep a bit of credit. Um, because I think, you know, if you look at how teams throughout the country play, not just in the Premier League, but, you know, going down the leagues, people have now tried to copy the way the way in which it, he wants to play football. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, money does the, the money that we have spent over the years does breed jealousy in other fans Um, and we would have been exactly the same you know I can remember back around you know when the money came in at Chelsea and you know I was probably one of them that was you know cursing them because it it was them that won the lottery not us Um, but you know the, the fact is that money is has made City the way that we are today but it's not a £10 note coming off the bench and scoring is it
1: yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And the, I mean the other side of it, like like I said, there, Paul. Um, Chelsea have spent money. They've 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 brought in players that City have wanted. United have brought in players that City have wanted. And it's not like City are going out there and just buying all of the top talent everywhere and hoovering it all up, is it?
3: Yeah, exactly. And we were talking about Kyle Walker earlier, weren't we? I remember when um when uh, uh when City signed him. Uh, was it 2016, 17? 17, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and we were on pre-season tour with Man United at the time we interviewed Jose Mourinho. And he, he brought it up. He said, oh, what's the effect of your £50 million for a right-back. You know, that's is in like that's that's a lot of money, that. But, you know, Man United, a couple of years later, spent £50 million on a right-back. And he looks a quarter of the player that Carl Walker is. It's not just... About money, it's how you spend it and how you develop that talent as well, isn't it? You know, how many, how many of the signings that in that team, in that squad uh, of cities at the moment have been flops? How, how how many of them have had their value decrease since they joined City? Um, you know, very few. I mean, if you're looking at Edison, for example, they signed him for 30 million. You'd probably say he's a 100 million pound goalkeeper now, wouldn't you? Um, oh, well, certainly in pre kind of COVID times. Um, but so I, yeah, yes, it is that they're, they're doing well because they've had the money to spend, but they've spent it wisely. And I think there's such a big difference in um between uh them, uh, between City and United when it comes to that. You can have all the money in the world, but you've got to spend it wisely, otherwise, it just ends up becoming of a, a a mess, which is what the you know, the United squad is at the moment. So yeah, yes, City have had money, but they've they spent it better than anyone. Else.
1: Yeah, no complaints over United being a mess here, though. That's uh, that, that's where we're going to be. Um- Liam, the, the other interesting thing, I saw a few fans complaining. Uh, you mentioned about Guardiola getting the credit there. Um, I saw a few fans complaining that uh, nothing was mentioned about Guardiola winning Manager of the Month in the, in the pre-Chelsea press conference last week. So I just wait to play this because uh, he, he, was a, he was actually asked about it. Um, he doesn't like talking about the Manager of the Month award, though. So he gave his stock answer when uh, Martin Blackburn asked about it. Uh, but there was a funny moment at the end as well. This is the easiest word ever.
5: So much points you do in a month is the manager of the month, and the reason we won is not the manager. Are the players all the time?
4: You've won eleven, though. Now Pep, I think only Wenger and Ferguson have won more than you. So uh, is that something for you to be proud of? Be
5: careful, Sir Alex. Arsene, yeah. I'm coming. He won twenty-seven, <laughs> Pep. So uh, not not
1: too many. To get. How many? Twenty-seven.
5: Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> That belongs to them, yeah. <laughs> to him. I will not chase him for sure.
1: <laughs> so uh, it sounds like uh, Guardiola's not hanging around for 10, 15 years. Then, Loom. <laughs> oh, well, you ruined my day there. Um,
2: yeah, no. To be fair, I've just—that's the first time I've heard that. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, manager of the month. I suppose you can win it three or four times in a season, and if, if unless you win something or have a successful season, it's just doesn't really matter that much, does it, I suppose?
1: Yeah. He's, ge- he's genuinely not bothered by it, though, is he, Paul? He says that every single time he's asked about it.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny, isn't it? He? he just seems completely perplexed by the idea that they should be a manager of the month. Um, and every time that he wins it, um, he has a picture. You know, they have a, a photographer comes up and they take a picture, don't they, with the manager. But he insists on all of his staff being with him for that picture, um, which I just think tells you you know, tells you everything you need to know. And he says he says it's like an award for the club, basically. It's an award for the players. Um, remember on the Amazon documentary when he was talking to the players and he was saying, oh, you know, people say I'm amazing, but I didn't destroy the Premier League, you did. And obviously that's, you know, you would say that to him in a team talk to kind of him up, but I genuinely think he thinks that, it's, you know, the idea of him being a manager of the month and him getting the praise is, um, isn't right, really. He thinks that the player should win it.
1: I, I'm also interested, Paul, because there was a, a moment in that that press conference. Did Pep struggle to understand your accent this week? You'd asked how many training sessions he'd been able to take since he came back to since he came back from COVID, uh, and then this happened.
3: Do you have like a plan in place for, for like a contingency plan for that to happen? You know, with the other coaches, because uh, obviously we've had COVID for two years. Has that has that been a plan you've had in place just in case you've?
5: you've got COVID. So the other coaches know what they've got to do. I understand.
3: I can't tell there if what, if what he's
1: saying is that he wasn't listening to you because he, he's, done that, he's done that before where, he, where he's I, I can't remember who asked the question, but I was there for this one. And he said um, he said something like, uh, sorry, I, I, I wasn't listening to the question because I was thinking about the answer I'd just given. Uh, or I can't tell if he, just, if he just heard you speak and went, I have no idea what this guy's saying.
3: No, it was just a dreadful question, basically. It was, it was the right question, but it was dreadfully phrased. Um, I think I might have been distracted when I was. Um, I think I think it was because he'd asked. I'd asked him something before, like you know, how many training sessions have you had? And he gave like a straight answer straight away. And you know what he's like. Sometimes he, in his answer, he'll start off with a, a fact, and then he'll have like a pause, and then like have a follow up sentence. So I was, I was just waiting for him to like speak. But he didn't speak. <laughs> so I was like, oh God. And then, you know, the mind's working. I'd, I had a follow up question in mind, but, you know, my my head, my brain yeah. clearly wasn't working quick enough to. You can't make a story out of a quote of one,
1: can you? It's not, <laughs> not, not really, exactly, not really yeah. enough there, is there?
3: Um, but yeah. I, yeah, no, it's, it's happened before. It's happened before, to be fair. Uh, maybe he just doesn't know the, uh, no, understand my South Yorkshire twang. <laughs> I don't, to be fair to Pep, I don't think he's ever been to Rotherham. I mean, that, that's probably not been on <laughs> his, his. In his time in Manchester, he's probably not thought, yeah, I'll pop over the Woodhead Pass and spend an afternoon um, walking around Rotherham just to <laughs> understand the dialect of the locals. So yeah. it's completely my fault. Yeah, yeah, it was my bad.
1: Oh, I hope. I hope that's what he spent this week doing. You know, just just having a, just having a mill around uh, South Yorkshire, find out well, just just to hear the differences between the various places. There's
3: some good golf courses around there, so yeah, <laughs> he, he might have done.
1: Uh, Right. Well, it can hardly escape your notice as well that uh, a lot of people seem to think that city have had it easy this season when it comes to COVID. Playing during the pandemic has undoubtedly put a real strain on some clubs more than others. But here at the Blue Moon Podcast, we think it's time to set the record straight that city have been unaffected. Sam Roscoe has been reflecting on who said what this week.
0: Over the last month or so, a narrative has been allowed to build up regarding Manchester City.
6: When you have this kind of close fight, but especially with an incredibly consistent team as a City, it looks like they are not even a little bit faced by, by Covid or, or, or don't know about injury stuff like this, so just in there, in a good moment. It's just how it is, but what they have, what they have now is a kind of a gap um that's absolutely deserved for them but now let's just give it a go and let's play on it's it's how i said at the end of season one the team can become champion
0: that was liverpool manager jürgen klopp speaking to the media ahead of his side's match at chelsea at the turn of the new year This week, in Thomas Tuchel's press conference, the Chelsea manager made a similar suggestion about City.
4: The biggest difference so far in the season, as I'm concerned, is uh, that they dealt better with injuries and they dealt better with the Covid situation.
0: Tuchel had been asked if a defeat would be the end of his side's title chances. He said maybe. And then he started talking about COVID and injuries.
4: Maybe it's unlucky. Maybe they do it better. Whatever, but they have uh, they have less injuries from 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 key players, uh, less days out, less less weeks where they where they miss them. They were. They did not suffer from, from, from Covid as we did over, over many weeks, so this is the huge difference.
0: Let's be crystal clear here. This isn't a competition about who has had the most Covid cases. It's been widely reported how badly the virus hit Stamford Bridge before Christmas. This is about City and the growing narrative that Covid has barely touched the club. Have a listen to this. This is from Pep Guardiola's post-match interview with BT Sport after the 2-1 win at Arsenal on New Year's Day.
5: Just take a look. Our bench today, it was four guys for the academy. So we had many cases from COVID this season and injuries. Yeah. Phil Foden. Kyle today was the first day, Roddy the first day since the last COVID time. So. And in this period today, we were incredible tired.
0: In that clip, the manager confirmed three COVID cases that forced players out of the busy Christmas period. City later confirmed that Alexander Zinchenko had the virus, while John Stones missed several games too, though it's unclear whether that was through injury or through isolation. City have been keen to respect the privacy of their players and haven't announced the names of those with COVID. That might have led some to believe, or mischievously suggest, that City have been unaffected. Here's more from Thomas Tuchel.
4: If you have your full squad, you create a certain uh, um, atmosphere for, for everybody that 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 pushes everybody to, to the edge, and you need to be on your edge and in your very highest level if you want to compete with Man City. They are the benchmark, they are the, the, the best team in England right now.
0: The implication seems to be that Chelsea have dropped points because of a lack of competition in the squad. Missing players with Covid means that, in theory, those being picked each week can relax without the threat of being dropped. But knowing that City have also had players isolating with symptoms while the team has continued its winning run, up to 13 in the Premier League now, perhaps Tuchel is only right about one thing, perhaps City have dealt with it better.
6: Well, we've had, uh, as you mentioned, a Covid outbreak. and. And at the moment we are uh, with seven players unavailable, uh, plus uh, up to 14 staff. So there is quite a big outbreak right now. And listen, we are going, we are getting it day by day. So we don't know where we're gonna end. But in this moment, it's the seven players uh, out for COVID due to COVID and and 14 staff.
0: That's City's assistant coach, Rodolfo Burrell. He took charge of the FA Cup tie at Swindon this month after both Guardiola and his second-in-command, Wama Leo, tested positive.
6: It's possibly been one of the, the most easiest lineups that we have had to decide because we're just going to play with the ones that we have available. We don't have much more. But uh, our aim is to keep playing as much as we can, trying to respect all competitions and, and trying to... As I said, uh, keep playing and at this moment we can we can
5: fill the team
0: Some of the absentees from that game were back for Saturday's win over Chelsea But as Guardiola confirmed ahead of the match, it wasn't all good news
5: Some people is coming, some people is uh, positive again So when you tested one, twice negative, you come back Otherwise you stay at home isolated. later
2: So those cases that you have at the moment, are they, are they new cases, fresh cases From the ones that, that weren't able to play against Swindon?
5: We have, yeah, we have uh, some, some
0: new cases, yeah. The manager also hit out at the suggestion that the last few weeks had been a benefit to his side.
5: Are you saying that here in Manchester we are the smartest? Domicron the doesn't like to come here to visit us? We had a lot of cases and a lot of injuries. We play in Aston Villa with 11 players in the first team. So in the last four, five, six games or seven games, there are four or five players for the academy in the bench. So. We are in the same situation all other clubs. In terms of COVID, we had a lot. Like unfortunately, all other clubs, because it's all around the world. It's not because here we are smarter, somewhere wiser, or we do the protocols better than the other ones. The virus came to the bubble, inside to the bubble, everyone so
0: On top of the comments by Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool defender Virgil van Dijk was quoted in the newspapers this week, suggesting City had had the rub of the green. They had few injuries and few corona cases, he'd said of City's December. Those thoughts were put to Guardiola before the win over Chelsea.
5: Maybe we didn't say which ones, how many, but the players won't respect, the club decided don't do it. But we had a lot, a lot of players with COVID, a lot, a lot of people in the back from my staff with COVID. So they believe we were lucky. Okay, we were lucky. So you, you don't think COVID's been a big factor in you pulling away from?
0: Chelsea and Liverpool in the title race, then. they believe is the reason why, maybe. Sometimes it's the money that we have, sometimes it's the COVID. Away from City, there's been criticism this week of some clubs asking for matches to be postponed because of a mixture of COVID cases, injuries, suspensions, and players on international duty at the African Cup of Nations. Perversely, perhaps the fact that City haven't asked to call off any games has also added to the narrative that they've been unaffected. Either way, Guardiola insists he'd rather play.
5: We try to play. You have eleven or twelve players enough. We play because we have Gold Palmer, we have uh, Makati and other players, and we try to play. We never ask because we have enough players. When we have maybe eight or nine, maybe we'll ask. Oh, we have eight or nine players. And I don't know how it doesn't count. Is just COVID or just injuries? But injuries is all the time what happens. So I don't know the the standards or the, the rule about the Premier League when it's called off or canceled. Many cases we have just. In these games, twelve players, the middle, the first team,
0: the keeper, and we played. The irony is that twelve months ago, the narrative was that City had benefited by having a match postponed.
6: We didn't have a break. Huh? I think City had a two-week break for for COVID reasons, and that all. It's, it's it's really tough. It's a tough year. It's a tough season. I know for some for some teams, it looks like lesser. That
0: was Jurgen Klopp. This time, speaking on the fifth of February last year. City did not have a two-week break. The gap between matches was eight days after the Everton game was called off. On top of that, the CFA was closed and the players had to isolate, meaning the team didn't train. When those comments were put to Guardiola at the time, the City boss did what he does best. He got sarcastic.
5: Made a mistake, it was two months off. Or three months. No, four. Four months we have off. That's why we are in top form right now. He has, Jürgen has to see the calendar again. This
0: was before City played Liverpool at Anfield.
5: Tomorrow when I see Jürgen, I always say to him how many weeks we or days we were off.
7: And it'll be, it will be resolved, obviously, with the conversation between the
5: two of you. He knows
0: it's not true. Come on. <laughs> we were not, nobody in the Premier League have the two weeks off. It's odd how narratives change. The situation this season isn't so different to last season. Both years City have had Covid in the squad, and both years they've continued their winning streaks, but apparently both situations benefited the club. By suffering no postponements so far this term, people think the squad hasn't been affected, but by having a game called off last season, people thought they'd had a much needed rest. Maybe the real answer here is that City have just got on with the job, and dealt really well with outside factors.
1: Hello, this is Jason Manford, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast.
0: You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer, statcity.co.uk. Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Kompany? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium, and under every manager. Just go to statscity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk. Please give us your backing. patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast.
1: That was Sam Roscoe looking at the situation with COVID. As Sam said in that piece, um, this isn't a competition about who's been more adversely affected by COVID, it's just simply that people seem to think City have had no cases or or haven't had to have players isolate, which I mean, Paul, that's just not true, is it? They've, they've been affected by it.
3: Yeah, they have, yeah. Um, you look back to that, that FA Cup game, the, the Swindon game, uh, they only had 12 senior outfield, uh, 12 senior players, there, or 12 senior outfield players, I can't know which one it was, but um, yeah, I, I know it was Swindon, but it, they still went down there and played it, didn't they? And I, th- I think you'd find that they do that in the Premier League as well. And in fact, Pep said that on Friday, didn't he? You know, if, if we're down to 11, 12 players, we'll go and play. And I just think it's about momentum, isn't it? They just want to keep this run going at the moment, and they're all on such a high that that he'll play. You know, if 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 they don't have a left back, they'll play um, Wilson Esbrand. You know, just to just so that the game goes ahead and. You know the idea of of you know more fixtures being thrown into the calendar in February and March when it's a pretty busy time anyway um, for the club. I just don't think that appeals to him. So he just wants to get the games on and, and play them. And fair play to him. I just think that's that's the right attitude to have.
1: Yeah Liam it's uh, do you think do you think also that this narrative has been able to build up because city haven't had any games postponed so it makes people think oh well they're, they're obviously not affected by it but actually they've had they have two or three players out every week it's just that they've they've used the squad and rotated really well
2: Yeah I think yeah probably I think that's uh, uh, that's probably it um I mean obviously last season um we had the Everton game cancelled between Christmas and New Year and I know that Made you know quite a bit of a, a thing at the time. But yeah, I think City have done well throughout the season to try and keep the the, the squad rotated. Um, I mean, that first game of the season away to Tottenham, we were a little bit undercooked. But I think apart from that, we've been, you know, we've, we've tried to keep players fresh all the time. And I don't know if there might be something in, um, you know, the club seeing it as a bit of a private matter regarding people having COVID. So there might have been times where players have had it. Um, and they've just sort of said it's an injury without, you know, actually letting it out there that, you know, a player's got it. I think it, it becomes a bit more noticeable um, when there's, a you know, a, quite a bit of an outbreak like we had um, with the Swindon game. And it's it's really obvious who's got it and who's not really. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm guessing there's probably been times over the, the season or since the pandemic began where players may have been out due to it or, you know, testing positive and things like that. And um it's not had as much of an effect because the games have been cancelled, as you say.
1: Yeah, Paul. When you think back to, I mean, that, that they, they played that Villa game as well, didn't they, before Christmas? Where they, they only, I think they had twelve players available for that one as well. Um, but that was more. I think there was players isolating as as contacts because I don't think the I don't think the laws had changed in England then. So the if you were still a close contact, you still had to isolate or something. I I, I can't remember the situation, but it's it, it seems to be now that. Um, the narrative from outside City is well, well. City, City just haven't had COVID in the camp at all, and I'm just wondering if that's a little bit of a way to kind of deflect off the fact that Liverpool and Chelsea have dropped away from where City are.
3: Uh, it, it probably is, yeah. And I'm, Tuchel said last week, didn't he? They said maybe it's maybe they've they've been lucky, maybe it's maybe it's luck uh, that they've dealt with it better. Um, they've had less injuries to keep players, less days out and weeks out, um, and they did not suffer from COVID like we did, but. You know, as Pep said on Friday, I mean, what's what are they supposed to do? You know, I mean, what are they supposed to like open the doors and like welcome Omicron in and you know, (laughs) make sure you know for it to flood the CFA? They've had two outbreaks, you know, one in one in the main, um, uh, in the first team and one in the under 23. So the idea that they've not been affected by it is just, just nonsense, really. Um, and you know, like you said, sometimes other managers do. And players do that, don't they? To to uh, detract from their own, um, distract from their own troubles. Um, yeah. But the idea um, that that coronavirus hasn't affected the um, city squad is, is just not true, is it? Yeah, uh,
1: just one final thought on this, Liam. As well, uh, it must be a, a kind of a blessing in disguise that uh, they haven't had any uh, postponements yet, because of course City can request. City haven't requested the postponements, but they can do nothing if their opposition requests it and, and it is cut and games are called off. Um, but at the moment, it, they've had none, and they've got you know the Champions League starts again soon. They'll have midweeks in that. The FA Cup is you know they're still in that. There's there's the potential, isn't there, for a real fixture pileup if they if they do have to play games later.
2: Yeah, definitely, and um, I think you'd imagine. Well, hopefully, not just football related, but you know, fingers crossed, we're sort of out of the worst of it now from this uh, latest variant and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you'd imagine that the um, you know the amount of games getting cancelled will reduce quite a bit over the next week or two. You'd think, um, and yeah, you know, it's it's ideal for City to um, you know we've had quite a quiet January compared compared to what we we usually have with without being in the Carabao this year. Um, and then later down the line, yeah, it's, it's better to have a bit more preparation time for um, Champions League games, FA Cup games, um, when they come along instead of, you know, trying to fit in two or three games in a week, like I'm sure the likes of Burnley are going to have to do um, for, further down the, the line of the season.
1: And that brings us to uh, City's next game. Southampton away on Saturday. It's 5.30 kickoff. off um, Liam, how are you feeling about games at the moment, given City's recent form? Do you, do you feel like they're through that little bit of a patchy spell they had over Christmas with that that display against Chelsea?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird, really, isn't it? I mean, I suppose we're so used to City playing a game every couple of days that when you do have um, playing once a week every two or three weeks, you're not really certain what the form is at the moment you know I think you're always going to raise your game when you play a team like Chelsea or you know one of the other big teams so I'm sort of I don't really know where where they're at but you know as you mentioned over Christmas the Brentford and Arsenal games in particular they looked like they needed a bit of a rest Um, so yeah I mean I'm looking forward to City playing this weekend and having a fixture where um, you know we we can sort of keep the momentum going really but yeah I'm not sort of really sure where where they're up to but obviously they've won 12 league games in a row so you'd say that the form is pretty good
1: at the moment yeah they're doing something right aren't they yeah <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, Paul Southampton shut City down really well at the Etihad um, I, 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 what happens if they play like that again how does City stop that happening again uh,
3: it, it, it was it was one of the most interesting matches I, I think I've seen this season that nil-nil which is maybe says more about me than, than uh, my, <laughs> my love of football Um than anything else but I, they were re- the the two strikers I remember Shadams and um, armstrong were really uh really good at trying to block um the path into midfield you know i think aki and diaz just couldn't pass through them and and then the the wingers really sat on them sat on the cancelo and, the, and walker as well so they're they really organized it was the four two 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 formation wasn't it um, yeah um that united used at the start of ralph's reign so they were really good at doing that, so I just think if City can somehow find a way of passing through them, that'll that should should help matters. Um, um, I, I just think that they're in such good form, City, at the moment that that they they will end up winning, even if it's just a narrow, uh, one nil win or something like that. Um, but I, Southampton have been quite up and down recently, not been in great form, so I do fancy fancy City to win it.
1: Yeah I'm I'm interested because um the worry is there isn't it Liam because of that that game at the Etihad but it is it, two teams that are in completely different form because like we said earlier city weren't great in that first part of the season.
2: Yeah um yeah we you sort of we didn't really get off to the, the greatest start of the season and it looked a little bit rudderless at the time um you know we weren't really sure what was going on going forward, whether it was going to be Ferran Torres down the middle at the time. I think he he might have just picked up an injury at that point, Eddie. Um, But yeah, we weren't playing anywhere near like how we're playing at the moment. Um, So, and to be honest, I've not really watched much of Southampton this year apart from that game. So I'm not too sure what, you know, sort of how they're playing. But I did have a quick look at the fixtures earlier uh, today and... I did notice that they actually haven't apart from United but you know debatable whether you consider them a, a, a big team these days. <laughs> um, they they haven't played any of the sort of the top teams at home this season. Um you know they haven't they, when they've played us, Chelsea, Liverpool, even West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham it's all been away from home so um it's a little bit of the unknown of you know sort of how they'd set up uh, at their own place, you know, you're not sure whether they go for is a bit more but Last couple of years, it's been pretty tight away at Southampton. You know, last year was a 1-0 year before uh, we lost. Um, the year before that, I think it was 3-1 um, just before New Year, which was a little bit fortunate, like an own goal and a deflected goal for us. So, yeah, it's always it's been a bit of a sort of tough place to go over the last couple of years, Southampton. So, um, you know, I'm not expecting us to be sort of at our fluent best maybe, but at the same time, I do feel like a lot of our away games this year We've probably played at our best at times, especially the first sort of 10, 15 minutes when I think of, you know, um, Watford away and, 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 and Chelsea away, you know, where we've really tried to sort of attack them early. And we've done well. So I'm hoping that's going to be another uh, fixture like that this weekend.
1: Yeah, um, Paul. We didn't really speak about uh, Sterling in the in the review of Chelsea. He's been great again lately. I think uh, Grealish. I thought played well on Saturday as well. Would they be your kind of go-to players for this game? As 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 the ones in form?
3: Um, I think they'd they should both play. I, I think he might do his trick of of playing, you know, a left foot on the left, a right on the right, just to try and uh, stretch out their their defense a little bit. Um, i think i think sterling's looks looked brilliant on the right recently hasn't he um uh so i I'd, I'd definitely play him and gabriel jesus um one of them one of those two on on the right hand side and um and keep forward on the left on his left foot so um so yeah i i think you know jesus is probably worth uh, worth a start isn't he he didn't play last week and i thought that was a bit harsh on him so i think he'll probably come into the team but I'd, i don't think he can equally i don't think he can drop Drop Sterling on uh, on his current form, so maybe maybe Grealish have to just sit this one out. Yeah, what
1: well, what do you make of Grealish so far, Liam? He's been he gets the the, the centre of attention treatment largely because of the hundred million pound fee, but he's been he's been fine, hasn't he?
2: Yeah, I think um, you know a lot of people, a lot of City fans have said it anyway. Um, in that you'd expect it's going to take him a little bit of time to really get into tune with the rest of the team. Um, I would. Probably look at playing him a bit more centrally, um, just because I think playing on the left, he's not he's not going to get round the back in the same way that Foden on the left and Sterling on the right would do. Um, but yeah, I think he's I think he's done all right so far. But at the moment, obviously, he's not got the numbers to sort of back up. Um, basically, starting for City at the moment, I think you know with Sterling's scoring more goals, getting more assists, um, Foden always looks dangerous. And um, I know he's away at the moment, but, you know, Mara's has scored a lot of goals as well. So um, you've got to sort of justify your your place in the team. You can't just be playing well, you've got to be getting the goals and assists as well. So I think that it will come with Grealish, um, but he's just not quite there yet at the moment, I don't think.
1: Yeah, um, I'm just going to bring this question forward from uh, the end of the show, Paul. Normally, we'll do a few more listener questions towards the end. Uh, but Mursa Blue got in touch to say, uh, Jack Grealish has got three goals in and three assists in 22 appearances this season. Uh, when are we going to see more of an end product from him to shut up the people who criticise his transfer fee? Um, it's not all about the numbers, though, is it, really, for Grealish and Guardiola?
3: No, it's, it's, it's not. Um, you know, On the face of it, they, they don't look great, do they? Um, but still, it, it, it's the same old thing, isn't it? he you can't just walk straight into a Man City team and be expected to be amazing. Uh, they are two different, you know, two, two different situations. He was such a big fish at Aston Villa. You know, he was the main man. Everything went through him, and now he's uh, he's got all these stars around him. And he, it's not just um, you know, he's not the only one who come and win matches. Uh, so I think he's got to. Uh, he's still got time to adjust to that. I think we saw. We've seen Mahrez, he, he had a difficult first year, didn't he? Even but even Bernardo, it took him a year to get going at City as well. Uh, and look how brilliant he is now. So I, I just think that, you know, we should have a little bit of patience with him. You know, he's got that price tag, but, you know, as we've said that, that's not his fault, is it? He didn't set, the, set his um, release clause. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he will come good after a, after a year or two. No, not two, after a year. Yeah. Um, I just Sometimes at the moment, I think he holds onto a ball a little bit too long. You know, the the other players, particularly Foden, when he's playing that in that um, inside uh, left position, he just he, he seems to have got a, a, a his mind seems to work a little bit quicker than than, Ford, uh, than um, Grealish as he picks that pass earlier than um, the Grealish does. But you know that'll come in time. I mean, it must be must be a nightmare, you know, learning how to play under Pep Guardiola, wouldn't it really? Yeah. So intense, and you know all the systems and the instructions, and, um, and getting to grips with the new new teammates as well. So yeah, it'll come good in time.
1: Yeah, it, it all goes back to what you were saying at the start of the show, at uh, the start of the show as well. About um, it's very rare that City spend their money badly. So there we are. <laughs> Let's get a view for this game from St Mary's now. I've been speaking to Kevin from the In That Number podcast to find out what the mood is like in Southampton ahead of the game. I started by asking if Southampton's approach could be similar to how they played at the Etihad.
7: Just when you think that uh, you know what Ralph Hasenhutl does, um, he can throw you a curveball and I'd say we can expect the unexpected. I mean, he normally does play that for 2-2-2, but... Just recently, we've had a bit of a crisis at right back, which forced him to play either a back three or a back five uh, with wing backs. And um, it definitely worked against Brentford. We beat them 4-1, but for some reason, he decided to repeat the exact same formation against Wolves. And we got caught out again with just uh, a couple of defensive lapses, questionable penalty and uh, we come away with nothing despite a a real piece of brilliance from James Ward-Prowse. So I I really can't say, I mean, I I kind of hope it's, for me, it's better the devil you know, Um, because I've seen the best defensive displays when we've had a back four, but I mean, Ralph seems to be invested in changing things up. Um, But yeah, we're out a couple of key players that uh, could make the difference.
1: Yeah, I was. I was just looking at uh, at Southampton's recent results. Um, the results seem a little bit uh, hit and miss. Uh, but then you, you kind of take into account a draw at, at uh, against Tottenham, a uh, good win over Brentford. I thought I did watch that uh, that Wolves game, and I thought you were quite unlucky after the first half. Um, uh, how have performances been?
7: Yeah, I mean the start of the season, it was you know fans were getting into crisis mode because uh, we hadn't won in the league until, oh God, until we uh, beat Leeds at home. And uh, yeah, I mean, but since then, you know, we've been kind of off and on. And uh, personally, I'm, I'm quite satisfied with the performances. We had a decent run, uh, went a few games unbeaten and uh, Wolves eventually broke that. So I think, you know, on average, it's your, your average Saint season, I think, you know, one part of the season is going to be uh, terrible and then we get into good run of form and then lose it. And we, I mean, you could probably expect to end up mid-table, to be honest.
1: Yeah, the uh, when City have been there recently as well. It's been a, it's been a really tight game. Last two uh City nicked it 1-0 uh, last season um, and then the season before it was uh, the Che Adams uh, wonder goal from the halfway line. Um what so uh, what are you expecting for this weekend?
7: Um I can't say I'm going into this with uh, huge confidence. Um, but yeah, I mean you're a team that we can play against, but it all, it all really depends on the defensive display and that's a bit of a coin toss, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, if we can hold it together like we have um, in the more recent games against you, I think, yeah, that would be very good.
1: Yeah. Uh, who are the players that uh, are likely to cause City problems if uh, if uh, you are to get a result from this game?
7: Well, I mean, you've always got our talisman, James Ward-Prowse. I mean, we've seen what he can do from set pieces. I mean, not just uh, set pieces, but, I mean, he's uh, put in a couple from open play as well this season. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's definitely back on form but uh, man of the moment at the moment is uh, Armando Broja. or Broger um, yeah he, he's been scoring left right and centre and uh, yeah we'd be lucky to keep hold of him this season because he's on loan from Chelsea. Nathan Redmond he always likes a good game against City I think Pep's got a lot of respect for him and uh, I think you know, he likes to play up a bit in front of him. Um, che Adams it's again yeah he's scored against City before, so he could possibly do it again. But, I mean, yeah, there's a, a question over whether he's um, fit enough to start because he had been out with COVID, but I think maybe Ralph's um, sort of wrapped him up in cotton wool for this game.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask about the COVID situation because there's been uh, a lot of teams asking for games called off. Um, how, how's it going on with, with Southampton at the moment? Have you had many cases?
7: I mean, we've had a few on and off, but, I mean, the club's really been doing um, a lot behind the scenes uh, to try and keep all the players um, separate uh, where possible, uh, you know, for players getting changed in the cars instead of in the changing rooms. And um, yeah, we've had a few cases here and there. Um, but yeah, nothing like, you know, that's wiped the team out. And I think the club and Ralph have done quite well to uh, really deepen the squad for this season because they anticipated that you're going to lose, you know, one or two throughout the season to COVID and uh, yeah that's kept us in good stead.
1: Yeah. Um just before we let you go Kevin we've got a charity bet coming up a bit later on on the show. Um what's your score prediction for this game? I'll let you have my uh, have my option on the
7: <laughs> Okay. Um well I mean on the podcast I said 2-0 and I think that would a 2-0 to City and uh, I think as long as we come away with that dignity intact, that's probably a good result for us.
0: This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast.
1: That was Kevin from the In That Number podcast. Uh, we had a win on the charity bet last week. It was Adam Carter's correct 1-0 prediction for City against Chelsea. That's taken the total for this season, up to £1,080 raised for the Man City fans' food bank support. They collect donations of food and money outside the Etihad ahead of weekend home matches to help the Trussell Trust in Man Manchester. William Hill is giving each of us a £10 correct score single on City's games. Uh, we heard there from Kevin that he's gone for a 2-0 City win. That's 11 to 2 and £55 if he's right. Paul, what are you having for this one?
3: I'm going for 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil to the boring
1: City. 1-0. <laughs> a boring 1-0 City win is yeah. uh, 15 to 2 So uh, £75 if you're right. Liam, what's your score?
3: Yeah, I think
2: in um, in KC's absence today I really should have gone for 6-1, but uh, <laughs> I, I thought more chance of winning it if I go for 3-1
1: yeah I, the one time I taught Casey out of uh, out of the 6-1 he won so uh, just yeah. take take that as a little bit of an incentive not to go for it every time uh, I'd, I'd say uh, 3-1 is 10 to 1 and £100 if you're right remember you've got to be 18 or over to gamble prices can change and for more on responsible gambling have a look at begambleaware.org uh, we're going to finish with uh, some listener questions get in touch for next week at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter or you can email us through the website as well bluemoonpodcast.com um, Francis Fowles has been in touch on Twitter to say do you think the safe standing area has improve the atmosphere in the had. Should it be expanded? And if so, where in the stadium? Um, Liam, you're the one of us that's more likely to be there. Uh, Are you in the standing area?
2: I am, yeah. Um, So I think the the rail seats have been in place since the summer. Um, I think our ground and quite a few other grounds put the rail seats in. But I actually think there's only been one game, which was at the weekend, where it was like officially safe standing um i mean i i've been in my seat for over 10 years and we've i've stood up every game that i've been there so <laughs> you know i don't think it really matters if it's um officially safe standing or not um but yeah the the, the rail seats have been put in there in the summer and you know f- from my point of view it's uh it's good to instead of be sort of kneeling on the seat in front and having a bruise mm-hmm. just to blow my knee every single week um to be Sort of hold it, hold myself up on the rail um, after having a few pints before the match and that sort of <laughs> stuff. Um, and you know, I guess that the, the feeling is that you'd be able to sort of circulate more in the actual, um, in the safe standing areas. But you know, everyone that I saw was stood in the normal seat. So I'm not, yeah, I would say there's been no difference so far. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I mean, I could talk about the atmosphere at City for some time, but I'm not going to bore you all. Um with regards to, you know, what they could do differently or, you know, where where it could be uh, elsewhere in the stadium, I mean, for me, sitting needs to look at quite a few things. Um, you know, it's been time and time again, people have looked at where the away fans are housed. Um, you know, I think 10 years ago, the, the most vocal areas around the ground were near the away fans, which is still the case now. But I think it's there's less onus on the away fans uh you know the sort of the banter between the home and away fans. I think you know to actually get the whole ground going um we probably need to look at that again um I'd say that there probably needs to be an area for sixteen to twenty five year olds maybe as um so so that there's a whole new area to get an identity maybe
5: yeah
2: um but the thing is with with top level football you know it 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 does depend on what what the game is who you're playing you know they could they could rebuild the Kiacks. City, and it would still be silent if we're playing Brighton at home at twelve thirty because there's not the rivalry there. The, the time of day doesn't really sort of play into it being a big atmosphere. Whereas you know when you're playing Leeds for the first time at home in God knows how long, it's going to be cracking. Yeah. When you play PSG at home, when you're playing against Messi and, and Mbappe Bappe and Neymar, it's going to be great. When you play in the derby, play against Liverpool, the atmosphere is going to be better and that's and that's the way it's going to be. and You know, you can sort of change where things are in the ground, you can bring drums in the ground, all that nonsense, but it will always come back to that, I think, as far as an English football fan's mentality goes.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to ask Paul. I'm not going to ask you to comment on the on the Etihad atmosphere, and not being a City fan. But um, you're I, like me and Liam are, are generally in the Etihad. Liam's at more away games than I am, but he's always watching City. You're the sort. You're, you're the person that watches other teams as well. Here, how how does the Etihad compare to other other top level stadiums? Is it is it effectively not a City problem? It's a it's an English football problem.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's a um, it's a sort of trend. I'd, I'd like to say across the rest of the Top flight with uh, with fans going who aren't as kind of um, and you know don't really get get involved in the singing and the chanting etc. I think you'll find that if you go to if you go to United if you go to Liverpool. Um, uh, to be fair, United have done quite a lot to kind of improve try and improve their um, atmosphere with the you know the singing section as, as they as they call it. Um, but still, it's sometimes it is really, really quiet in in that ground, and it's the same at same at pretty much everywhere else. I think, unless you, you know, some some teams, you know, like Brentford, like looking at their game against United last night, there's a really kind of really good atmosphere there. Um, but a, a lot of it does depend on the opposition. I, th- I think Liam's right. You know, if you get for for that um, PSG game, it was you know it was amazing, wasn't it? The atmosphere at the Etihad, um, and the derby's always the same as well. So. You know, I, I, I don't think it's a Man City problem. I think it's um, a problem across the top flight. Um, even in, you know, I, I support Sheffield Wednesday and, and the gra- the atmosphere at Hillsborough used to be brilliant, but now it's just dead. Do you know, yeah. It's yeah. absolutely dead. Um, <laughs> so, well, maybe that's due to the football on the pitch, to be fair. But, um, you know, so I think it is a bit of a trend that that fewer people are going and fewer people are as vocal. Um but I think you, when you go on away matches, I just think it's, uh, it's a different, uh, different tale, and I think City's away following is, is pretty good as well. So, yeah. But in terms of the home home crowd, I think it is it's uh, it's getting worse across the top flight.
2: Funny enough, I actually think it's better at City this year than it has. But I mean, without talking about the safe standing thing, I think um, it's actually probably been a bit, a little bit better in some games than it was pre-pandemic. Maybe if people are making more of it now because because we're it. back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, so I think there has been. A few, there's probably been a few more games this year where it's felt like the whole ground um, is getting involved. And you know, you mentioned there about United and the, the singing section they've got. For me, when I, I mean, I went to Old Trafford back in November, and it feels like there is a smaller, concentrated area now of people singing, which is great. But it doesn't get round the whole stadium, you know, I remember, you know, the amount of times I've been to Old Trafford and, you know, you can feel the whole of the ground sort of going for it. And I don't really feel like that. I mean, obviously, you know, we were absolutely hammering them and Solskjaer was the manager and all that sort of stuff, but um, it doesn't feel like the rest of the ground is doing it in the same way. And I guess that's the only issue is that the, the you only get a great atmosphere if the whole ground gets involved and you know city can have a great sort of singing area but it, as long if it's not making the east stand and the, the north stand join in then you're always going to have issues with it
1: really yeah bit of an uphill battle isn't it yeah right uh, well that brings us to an end for today's blue moon podcast thank you very much for listening and thanks also to my guests for today's show liam wright thank you very much and paul hurst thanks guys Uh, If you'd like some more though, we do bonus podcasts for Patreon backers every Monday. This week Gary James was talking us through his choices of five games that shaped him as a City supporter. Here's a little clip of what's in that show.
0: There's a story that Rodney Marsh never wore socks when he was off the pitch. It was just one of those things that, that he just didn't do. And as a, <laughs> as a, as a, as a sort of four, four-year-old, I, I, that excited me. I don't know why. I thought, well, I don't want to wear socks either. Yeah, it's right? an excuse for me
1: not to wear socks,
0: that. <laughs> right? Exactly, don't wear, don't wear socks, right? Um, and I, I started to think over the years that I'd imagined this. And then I interviewed Roger Reed a few years back, who, who Roger worked at City at the time. And he said, oh, one of the reasons why was because his car was carpeted not just you know with a normal sort of um, car mat sort of thing but a proper sort of axminster carpet but went all over the floor on the pedals and also on the on the inside sort of ceiling um, and Rodney just would you know have nothing on his feet sit there driving his car if I'd, have known, if I'd have known that as a four-year-old, it'd, it'd have gone up even more in my estimation.
1: <laughs> that was a clip of this week's Patreon bonus show. You can hear the full thing now at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast if you sign up for just £2 per month. You'll get that, plus you'll also get this show every week without the ads just by signing up. Just look at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast for details. I'll be back next week to review the game with Southampton, so I'll see you then. Take care. <laughs>